Aloha, everyone. Hope you had a fun Easter weekend. I'm Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii, and welcome to our 20th Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses webinar for April 7, 2021. Uh, please let me introduce our team for today. First off, we have Darren Leong from the law office of Darren R. Leong, who's a specialist in employment law. Stacey Katakura is the CEO of Accumulus, which is an outsourced CFO and accounting firm. Jeff Harris is a senior name partner at the Torkelson Law Firm. Buddy Leong is the executive director of Virtual Student Experiences. He handles our communications, backend, and chat box. Coco Leong is the chief marketing officer for Virtual Student Experiences and is in charge of content, video editing, and is in charge of the YouTube channel and podcast. Beckett Wren is the head of communications for Virtual Student Experiences and is handling the show notes. Questions will be taken during this webinar through the Q&A module only. So if you post it in the chat box, it won't be answered. Um, you can upvote the questions in the Q&A module and we will do our best during this webinar to answer them live. Here's our disclaimer for today. This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. This information is current as of April 7, 2021. So without further ado, let's start off with Stacy Katakura. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's good to see you all again. Um, we've been doing this now for just over a year. Um, can you believe we're still at it? <laughs> um, so today, we'll, I'll, just, I'll just go over the agenda really quick. Um, I'll start off by covering the Restaurant Revitalization Fund and the, and the shuttered, shuttered Venue Operators Grant. Um, then Darren will go over the updates to the PPP and the, um, the employer retention credit. And then Jeff is gonna kind of wrap up, um, summarize everything else that the ARPA, uh, the uh, American Rescue Plan Act um, enacted. So um, without further ado, um, I'll start with the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant because that uh, is expected to go live. The application is expected to go live tomorrow, um, April 8th with the SBA and you would apply for the, the grant through the SBA. Um, so just to just highlight the few provisions that um, uh, that qualify you for the Shutter Venue Operator Grant. Um, it would need to be a business that was operating as of February 29th, 2020. Um, the first 14 days of distribution of the grant are going to be um, prioritized for entities that suffered a 90% or greater revenue loss. Um, from April through December of 2020. Uh, the second 14 days will focus on entities that suffered a 70, 70 or 70% 70 or greater revenue loss for that same time period. Um, the grant amount is equal to 45% of your uh, 2019 gross earned revenue or $10 million, whichever is less. Um, if the entity began operation after January 1st, 2019, it would be calculated as the average gross earned revenue for each full month um, multiplied by six or, or $10 million, whichever is less. Um, the P if you, if for shuttered venues who also had a PPP loan, um, you would need to reduce the amount, the, the amount of the grant would be reduced by the amount of the PPP loan. Uh, the funds can be used for payroll, rent, utilities, mortgage payments, uh, debt repayments on debts incurred before February 15th, 2020, uh, worker protection, uh, PPE expenses, state and local taxes and fees, um, insurance payments and advertising fees. Um, and then finally, in order to apply for the, um, the grant, you have to have an active uh, 
system of award management or sam.gov account um, that takes if it, I don't know if a lot of businesses usually have those so it takes about two weeks to um, to open uh, an account so um, hopefully you, you you'll, you'll give yourself enough time to um, to get the account activated um, next the restaurant revitalization fund uh, grant is um, really similar to the shuttered venue operators grant um, the amount of the grant is equal to the amount of the pandemic related revenue loss which is calculated by um, subtracting your 2020 gross receipts from your 2019 gross receipts um, if you weren't in operation for the entirety of 2019 it would be 12 times your average monthly gross receipts for 2019 um, if you weren't in business until 20, until 2020, um, you would be eligible for a grant covering the eligible expenses. Um, if you're not in business yet, you still would be eligible for, um, for the grant uh, for eligible expenses incurred at the time of your application. Um, and similar to the Shutter Venue Operators Grant, the PPP loans would be reduced by the amount of the grant uh, that you would be eligible for. You also cannot use um, you cannot use the grant funds to pay payroll that you are using the employer's the employee retention tax credit for as well. Um, the the um, the grant application is also through the SPA, and um, the, they are expecting to open the applications up early um, early April, but they haven't announced the date yet. Unlike this shuttered venue operators grant, you don't need a SAM account um, initially. The um, that there was going to be a requirement to have a SAM account, but uh, there's, I think, the restaurant lobbyists were able to um, waive that requirement. Um, and similar to the Shutter Venue Operators Grant, the similar types of expenses can be paid payroll, principal or interest on mortgage application, rent, utilities, maintenance, including construction to accommodate outdoor seating, supplies and PPE, cleaning materials, um, food and beverage inventory certain supplier costs, operational expenses, um, most of the same expenses that the PPP2 would cover. Um, and if you applied or received a shuttered venue operators grant, you can't apply for the restaurant, uh, re restaurant revitalization fund grant, which is by the sounds of it, it's, it's a little bit larger than the shuttered venue grant. So without, Further ado, I'll hand it over now to Darren to talk about the PPP and employer retention tax credit. Thanks, Stacey. Uh, hi, everyone. So uh, we talked about the employee retention tax credit um, the, the last webinar, but since that time, it's been expanded even further. Um, this the same strategies apply, and I'll talk about, about that in a little bit in terms of those of you who got PPP money um, or who will end up getting shuttered venues money or restaurant relief money, that has to be used kind of in tandem with the employee retention tax credit. So just keep that in mind. Um, so the employee retention tax credit, which has now been tweaked uh, at least three times falls into three categories. So that first category is going to be 2020, which is which is over now. But since many of you are, are scrambling on your taxes now, 
um, you'll want to make sure that you work with your accountant uh, to see whether any uh, amounts of employee wages would qualify for 2020. Uh, the second period would be the first two quarters of uh, this year, which is uh, 2021, first quarter, second quarter. And then what the um, American Rescue Plan, the most recent stimulus added, is the third and the fourth quarters for this year. So let me briefly go over the differences. For last year, um, the basic qualifications was in a hundred employee threshold. Um, above a hundred, the, the, the types of wages that qualify are far less. So for most people's purposes, you'd wanna know whether um, you were under a hundred employees for last year. And then it starts with the first quarter in which you have a 50% decline in gross revenue in terms of eligibility for this credit. And then you, it would end in the quarter where you have at least 80% revenue of the same quarter in 2019. So for example, if in the first quarter of 2020 versus the first quarter of 2019, you suffered a 50% uh, revenue decline, that's when you would start looking at qualifying for the employee retention tax credit. And then if in the third quarter, um, your revenues were 85% uh, of what they were in the third quarter of 2019, that would be the last quarter of eligibility. Uh, the maximum total amount of the employee tax credit uh, for 2020 is 50% uh, of $10,000. So it would be $5,000 per employee. So take a look back, see if you qualify, make sure that taxes are correct for that piece. Um, the ones that are still in play in terms of, of doing some strategy now is the, the first two quarters of this year and then the third and fourth quarter of this year. So the rules for the employee retention tax credit for the first two quarters of this year are now that it's 500 employees or less or under 500 uh, employees. The measurement period is your, is your full-time employee count in 2019. So most of you will qualify for that under 500 threshold. And then uh, the other qualifying feature is that you need a 20% decline in gross revenue for that quarter versus the same quarter in 2019. So uh, you would look at the first quarter of this year uh, versus the first quarter of 2019. If there is a uh, greater than 20% decline in gross revenue, then you would be uh, eligible for the employee retention credit in that quarter. Then you do the exact same thing for the second quarter, which is the one we're in, and see if there's a 20% um, decline uh, versus the second quarter of 2019. Um, and then you could possibly qualify for the tax credit in the second quarter. There's also an alternative look back period, which is if you do not qualify on the gross uh, revenue decline for the first quarter, then you could actually take the quarter before that. So if we're talking about the first quarter of 2021, you could actually use the fourth quarter of 2020 compared to 2019 uh, to try and meet that gross revenue decline. Um, if you don't meet the revenue decline, the other way to qualify would be um, 
a uh, partial suspension of operations. So if you qualify, then each quarter, uh, you can take 70% of uh, the employee's wages for that quarter and count it as a tax credit to be taken off of payroll taxes up to a maximum of $10,000 for that quarter. So if in quarter one of this year, the company qualifies for uh, employee X, if they have $10,000 in wages, you're allowed to take $7,000 of that as a tax credit. Um, you get a, a fresh clock in the second quarter. So you, you get a fresh 7,000 or maximum of $7,000 of tax credits. Uh, again, that's 70% of, of $10,000 of wages um, in that quarter. And so for the first two quarters of this year, you can get a maximum of $14,000 per employee of tax credit. So it's a, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot of, of money, uh, especially if you have a bunch of employees. Um, in the third and fourth quarter now, the, the stimulus expanded the availability of tax credit. So generally the provisions are the same. So a maximum of 70% of $10,000 in the third quarter, which would be a $7,000 credit and then a maximum of 70% of $10,000 in the fourth quarter, which would be another 7,000. So the potential for all of 2021, if the business qualifies, is uh, $28,000 of tax credits for each employee. So it's, it's, a, lot, uh, it's a lot of money. Um, in the third and fourth quarters of this year, there are two additional provisions um, that might apply. We think they are unlikely to apply, but we should note them anyway. One is severely financially distressed employers, which are those that had a 90% decline. Um, those employers are allowed to take 100% of the employee's wages as a tax credit. Uh, I think it's it's unlikely that many will be able to take advantage of it because if you have a 90% decline and uh, and employees to pay by the third quarter of this year, you're you're unlikely to still be in business. Um, the other additional provision for the third and fourth quarter is uh, a recovery startup business. So it's anyone with the um, with the courage to start a business after February of 2020, mid-pandemic, for those businesses in the third and fourth quarter of this year, um, if their annual gross receipts are under a million, uh, they can be eligible for up to $50,000 of credit per quarter. So it's a gigantic um, tax benefit in the third and fourth quarter for for those recovery startup businesses. Um, these credits need to be looked at in, in conjunction with how you're using your PPP. So many of you are currently in the middle of your PPP2 money uh, being expended for payroll or deciding to use it for rent, et cetera. And the analysis that you'll want to run is um, are there if we qualify for the employee retention tax credit and have PPP, how do I get both? 
And so what you'll try to do is use the PPP money up, but leave enough employee wages that are not paid for by PPP money to get swallowed up by the employee retention tax credit. So the ideal scenario, for example, would be if you have both um, eligibility for the employee retention tax credit in the first and second quarters of this year, but also got PPP too. Ideally, you'd want to use up your PPP too uh, with enough time left in the second quarter, say uh, May and, and June, so that you have your employees paid not by PPP to money, and then you can take the employee retention tax credit on those employees. So uh, the example would be in April, May, June, the second quarter, April employees' wages are fully paid by PPP, and then May and June, um, the employee gets a total of $10,000 of wages not covered by PPP, then you could take 70% of that $10,000, write it off as a tax credit, and essentially you'd have had that employee for the entire second quarter, and the only out-of-pocket for you would be the $3,000 um, uh, of wages that wasn't covered by either PPP or the employee retention tax credit. Uh, anyway, that's a mouthful. We'll try to hit some of this in questions as well. And I, I see a bunch of um, PPP questions, but I'll pass it to Jeff uh, and then let's see if we can do some questions. Before we go to Jeff, I just wanted to add a couple of things on um, to the employee retention tax credit. Um, a couple of things like, so I, I think a lot of people, because they hear it's a tax credit, they think it's an income tax credit. So just, just so you know, it's um, it's a payroll tax credit. So we would take it by filing, um, uh, you claim it by filing your 941 um, and you can deduct it from any um, employer or employee withholdings. Um, you can also file for an advance uh, of the payroll tax credit. Um, so if you don't wanna wait until the, the end of, um, the quarter to file for your 941 for the first quarter um, or second quarter. It's, it's almost, um, I think it's almost due for the first quarter. Um, you can file uh, for an advance on Form 7200. Um, also, I've been hearing a lot of people who have been applying for their PPP1 forgiveness um, and using the entire 24 week covered period um, and just, you know, just using the entire 24 weeks on payroll. Um, you, before you do that, you might want to take a look at um, the, the analysis for the, using the ERC um, because you, you, can, you can't use the PPP for and the ERC for the same wages. So to the extent that you want to, you can minimize the amount of wages that you're claiming on the PPP one loan forgiveness that, that frees up more wages for you to be able to use it, the employer retention credit um, for 2020. So just please keep that in mind. I know a lot of people are trying to file their forgiveness applications right now. And just if you can't, if you are eligible for the ERC, don't um, don't throw any monies away by using um, all of your PPP one on on payroll. Yeah. So the other way to to think about it is if you had the choice between using a dollar of PPP for either employee wages or rent, um, if 
that employee wage would be subject to a 70% employee retention tax credit, then, then use that dollar for rent so that you can then take advantage of the tax credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. Thank you. You're so patiently, so patiently waiting over there, Jeffrey. Well, I, I get to talk about the biggest mandate I see in the, in the rescue plan. And that's the COBRA ex expansion and subsidy. Um, what, what this part of the rescue plan does is it requires employer-sponsored health plans that are covered by COBRA, generally those that had 20, 20 employees uh, during 50% of last year uh, to subsidize the healthcare premiums that employees would otherwise be required to pay for their 18 or longer months of healthcare coverage under COBRA and, and do a few other things. But first of all, the good news is the, the act at least gives you uh, the, the right to take a, a, a tax credit or, or get a tax refund, uh, employer tax credit, uh, payroll tax credit or refund for that subsidy. The, the one expansion that the, the um, law really does is it reaches back. Say, say, say an employee nine months ago declined, declined COBRA continuation coverage or didn't pay and lost it. Well, th this, this law requires you to go back and notify the employee of the right to elect COBRA continuation coverage from, from April to, what is it? Let me see. It's April to September 30th. September. September 30th, 2021. It, it, it requires you to go back and give them the opportunity to then elect the COBRA coverage that the employer is going to pay for between and be subsidized for between April and September. Uh, by, by May 31st, the law requires the employer to, the covered employer, again, this is only employers that had more than 20, 20 or more employees last year um, for 50% of the time. And by the way, part-time employees are counted as a percentage of employee. They work half-time and they're half an employee. But in, in any event, uh, it requires notices by May 31st to qualified beneficiaries who first come eligible, become eligible for continuation coverage as a result of reduction in hours or separation after, after April 1st. But it also requires notice to those employees that didn't elect it pr previously. And, and if you're covered, that, that could technically go back 18 months. You'd have to look backwards and you should be looking backwards if you're a covered employer and to, to find those those employees who didn't elect continuation coverage and aren't paying for it in the last up to 17 or 18 months because you you have an obligation to notify them of their opportunity to obtain this subsidized coverage from April to September and then then there's some another notice requirement at the end of the subsidy your 15, 15 days, uh, but not more than 45 days before the subsidy ends in September or earlier, if they qualify for other coverage, you're supposed to notify them in writing that the, the subsidy will end. 
So that that's really a summary of the COBRA change. The other the other extension isn't isn't really mandatory, but you're you're able to uh, provide employer provided uh, sick and family leave um, for three new reasons. Uh, awaiting the results of a diagnostic test for COVID after being exposed, uh, recovering from a COVID vaccination and recovering from any, any condition related to receiving COVID vaccination, vaccination. In addition to all the other uh, sick and family leave uh, provisions last year and voluntarily provide that leave and obtain a tax credit for that. The other thing it does is say, say someone used up their 12 weeks of, of family leave for staying home with a kid and, and receive the, the subsidized uh, paid family leave for that or used up the 80 hours of paid sick leave before April 1st, well, their banks are reset. So if you want, as a voluntary, as a voluntary uh, move, you, you can provide that additional sick and family leave to employees that qualify and take the payroll tax credit. Um, I, I, the, only, the only other thing that, that I think we haven't covered, Stacy, before you go and do your child tax credit, I wanted to mention that, we, as, as we all know, that there's an extension of a $300 per week supplemental unemployment through Labor Day of 2021. And the first 10,200 of those un, un, unemployment benefits received in 2020 will not be taxable with uh, households of other, under 150,000. I think that's, I think we've covered everything. Hey, Stacy, can you also just cover current status of state taxability of any of these different things that come to mind? Sure. Um, the state taxability, I think, honestly, I think we're still waiting for, um, for final, uh, for legislation on most of the tax state taxability. Like, for example, I don't think the state has conformed to the deductibility of PPP expenses yet. Um, and all of the, uh, I think they haven't as issued anything on the taxability of um, the, the restaurant relief grants or the shuttered venue operators grants, um, both of which are not taxable for federal for federal purposes. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind, Darren, that you were thinking of? Um, unemployment. Yeah. 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 Unemployment is, is not taxable for, for federal purposes, but um, we don't know yet for every state. Okay. So the state one basically has question marks on everything. Yeah. Okay. I guess, I guess um, the other thing that we didn't cover is is the extension of the uh, those people that still want to apply for a PP one or a PPP two loan. That that's extended to May twenty May thirty first, the application deadline. And then a little heads up, remember that many of you that got the PPP1 back during the next, the first round, your 10 months is coming up pretty soon. And and for, for those of you who have financial institutions who haven't opened their forgiveness portal yet, or, 
or telling you it's not your turn yet, fill out your applicable application and just email it to them. Uh, uh, you, you, can, you can file your forgiveness application after 10 months after the covered period ends, but you'll have to start, the law allows the banks to start requiring loan payments right after the 10 months ends. Yeah, let me, yeah, and this answers some of the questions, but let me jump in. The Congress simplified this forgiveness process significantly. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully the, the bank portals can, can at least for the smaller loans catch up to it. So uh, on, you can find it on the treasury website, but the application form for forgiveness for loans of $150,000 or less is form 3508S in SAM, 3508S. And it's a one-page form. So, uh, it, I mean, it, it has very little information to fill out on purpose. It's, it's essentially certifications. And you should be able to, if your loan is $150,000 or less, which a number of people on, on this webinar are, then you should be able to just submit that application. Or if you know it's computer portal through one of the banks, they should have a portal that just mirrors that application. Mm -hmm. And in order to avoid you know, loan payments after 10 months, then just get that application in. I don't think you need to even um, submit any documentation with that application. Um, and it's your 10 months are after the end of your covered period are up if you elected to use eight week covered period. Yeah. Um, Stacy, do you want to run the questions or do you want me to run the questions or Jeff? Or... Um, I can I can run the run the, run the question. So the first one is um, what is the look back period for PPP2? Darren, do you want to take that? Um, so just as a clarification, if the look back in terms of loan amount is what I'm assuming, um, and, and in general, they're using 2019. In essence, you should be able to use the same look back period for loan amount that uh, you used for the first loan, um, which is why it, it it should theoretically be a fairly simple process, but um, I, I know that it hasn't necessarily been been such with some of the application portals. I'll take the next one, Darren. How how do, the question is about how the employee retention tax credit works if you have a payroll company like Altris or Pro Service do the payroll? They are the ones doing the nine four ones. The tax belongs to you. The credit belongs to you. They, they will do it. And, and the regulations are very clear. That's your tax money. Uh, I, I understand that either one or both or one of the other payroll or PEO companies may, may be taking a cut of that tax. And it, it, at least in my opinion, they may be able to, to require you to pay more as a result of the additional service they're, they're doing, because they'll have to look at more to do your 941, but it, it shouldn't just be a, a flat percentage cut. 
Um, and uh, there'll be some more information about that, I'm sure, coming out as, as uh, things develop. Okay. Oh, there's a. Oh, Masha clarified her question on the look back period for FTEs. I don't think there have been regs that updated what the look back period was, as far as I've seen. Um, if either of you have have seen it, um, but I, I don't think there was updated regs on that. I can take the next one. So the next one is, uh, is K-1 income for an LLC paying taxes as an S-Corp ex excluded from calculating owner's payroll calculation for the PPP-2? Um, so the S-Corporation um, owner can, um, should, should, be paying, should be getting uh, wages um, if, if that's how the, the owner compensation would work. So in theory, your owner compensation should be included in your payroll amounts that you use for to help calculate the rest of your employees. If you're paying taxes as a partnership, um, you would include the K one, the net self employment earnings um, uh, from your Schedule K one as your payroll because partners in a partnership get guaranteed payments. I hope that I hope that makes sense. Next question, if I got a PPP-1, can I back file for employee retention tax credit for 2020? Um, I'm not sure what, what the back file would be, but kind of going to what, what Stacy and I were both um, driving at is um, your PPP-1, you can designate what time period that was being used for, like where those funds are allocated to. And in 2020, if you qualified also for an employee retention tax credit, then you know, try and uh, jerry-rig your, your use of the PPP funds so that there are employee wages that are freed up to, to fall under the employee retention tax credit. Ideally, you'd want $10,000 of employee wages that was not covered by PPP in 2020 because that's the maximum amount of the tax credit. So it would be 50% of $10,000 in total for 2020, and you'd be able to take a $5,000 tax credit. And just to um, answer more logistically um, the, the question, if I'm not sure if this is what being was being answered, um, what was being asked, but until December 27th, 2020, um, when the Consolidated Appropriations Act was passed, um, you could not use the employee retention tax credit if you also had a PPP loan. Uh, so that changed, and you can now use it for um, for 2020. Um, in order to backfile, you would need to file a 941X uh, and amend the, the 941 for which quarter you'd like to take the, the tax credit. The next, I can take the next one too. So um, are banks obligated to respond in a timely period in regards to round one of the PPP loan? After 70 days of submitting our application, our bank is now saying, unfortunately, due to the changes in SBA guidelines, the alternative uh, covered period of um, April 26th through October 10th cannot be used anymore. Please provide payroll document for the covered period dates of um, April 24th. 
So um, I believe it was when the Consolidated Appropriations Act was passed. Um, prior to, I think prior to that date, um, your covered period was either eight weeks or 24 weeks, nothing in between, but the Consolidated Appropriations Act um, allowed you to pick any date between eight weeks and 24 weeks. Um, and because of that, they got rid of the um, ability to use the alternative covered period. I think the reason why they came up with that, that alternative covered period was really for biweekly and weekly payroll pairs. Uh, so you can fit nicely into the eight weeks or 24 weeks um, and without having to, do, having to do the prorations. Um, but since you can now have the flexibility of using any length of time, like they, they got rid of the alternative covered period. So next question, maybe Darren, you can take this. Employee retention tax credit in 2021, are you comparing the quarters uh, to the same 2020 quarter or 2019 quarter? 2019. So um, you're, you're comparing it to the, the pre-pandemic quarter in terms of uh, revenue loss. So first quarter 2021 versus first quarter 2019, second quarter 2021 versus second quarter 2019, and, and so on and so forth. So next question, does when you receive PPP2 funds factor in with the Q1 and Q2 ERC? If you got it in March, how can you apply for both? So let's like Skylar tried to answer the question. We can elaborate on that a little bit though. You wanna, you wanna- Yeah, I can, I can do it. Um, so you don't have a choice in terms of the, the start date because when you got the funds dispersed to you that's um that that's when it runs starts to run so if you got the funds in march then hopefully for employee retention tax credits then january and february were enough in terms of employee wages to to find ten thousand dollars of wages for the employee um in the first quarter like before you got the ppp money and then you can take full advantage of, of the 70% of $10,000 tax credit for the first quarter. And then how it really comes into play is how fast you use that PPP2 in terms of payroll in the second quarter. Because if you got it in March and you're using it in March and then you're using it in April, then it starts to be, do I still use PPP2 for, for payroll in May? Um, or do I, I try to put it into rent or utilities or to social distancing measures and that kind of thing. And the, the way you wanna look at it is how long will it take that employee to get to $10,000 of wages at the back end of the second quarter? So if that employee is going to have $10,000 of wages and it's gonna take all of May and June, then presumably you'd wanna, uh, starting in May, you'd wanna be using the PPP money for something other than paying that employee's wages so that you can take the tax credit. Because essentially for May and June, if you have $10,000 of, of wages in those months, the tax credit will make it that you're really just paying 30 cents on, on the dollar for that employee. Yeah, and keep in mind too, with the PPP too, um, it, the 
it, the uh, eligible expenses have been greatly expanded. So I think it'll be a lot easier for you to fit into the eight weeks um, and maximize the use of the 40% of non-payroll costs as well. Yeah. So you can use up to, again, you can use up to 40% of the PPP money for non-payroll and still get full forgiveness. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to read the next question. Has anything changed regarding FTE reduction on the PPP1 forgiveness app? I noticed the application just asked for the number of employees at the time of filing uh, of time of filing the app rather than at the end of the covered period. I noticed that too, and I, I don't know why. I think it's just a data gathering metric because um, it's still it's still um, important to measure the FTE as of the end of the covered period. And the application does ask generally if you've complied with all the requirements. So, so that application is not for you if if you if you violate that requirement. Next question for a nonprofit: Do we add our PPP forgiveness and ERC as part of our gross receipts calculation to to determine if we meet the revenue reduction? Uh, no, so the PPP forgiveness and ERC are not included as gross receipts. Uh, is the ERC subject to Hawaii GET? Because it's a tax credit, it really should be applied against your um, your wage expense and not that and, and not be considered gross income, I believe. So it should not be subject to the GET. Are the gross receipts that are tracked through third-party software um, and saved online sufficient to establish gross revenue loss for purposes of the restaurant revitalization fund? Um, I would think you could use that. Um, in looking at the the um, the law, it looks like they are going to probably look to your. I would more recommend what you reported on your tax return, your gross receipts for your tax return, because I think. Um, and hopefully those two line up, but uh, I think that would be the safer way to, to go. What is the best timing for filing form 7200? So that's the 7200 is the form that you can get a refund of the ERC, an advanced refund of the ERC before filing your 941, which is due at the end of the quarter. So the best time to file it would be um, if you know that you're going to be eligible for the ERC and you don't want to wait till the, the due date of your 941, um, then you can file it mid-quarter. And I believe actually also the um, the ARPA, one of the, the new uh, acts um, also limited the, the, the uh, eligible um, applicants of using the, the uh, Form 7200. You have to be kind of a smaller um, employer. Stacy, can I go back a little? So in terms of establishing a gross receipts decline for a particular quarter, like it, would that be would that be a line item on on a tax return? No, because you're so I you would a, I can't think of a tax return that you would actually that's going to do quarterly that you would report gross receipts. So then you would have to use your your QuickBooks yeah. or or whatever software, mm -hmm. third-party software you're using. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, that question was um, in specifically with respect to the, um, the RRF though. Mm. Okay. Yeah. 
One of the things that I will caution you on, and, and this I saw happen with one of my clients, um, is that the at, in some cases, if you're a larger um, company and you have a you have year-end adjustments um, that were booked by audit or whatnot, just make sure that you're looking at that um, and that they do indeed apply to that quarter because they might distort your revenue for that quarter, especially if it's a negative. Um, adjustment. So next question, are employees that are related to owners of a company included spouses, including spouses excluded from the employee retention credit? Does anyone know the answer to that? Uh, I, I do not specifically, Jeff. No, no, but there's there's nothing in the law that suggests that um, that you couldn't take it if they were an employee, if you're paying them as an employee. Um, it the only, the only law that's like that is some parts of the National Labor Relations Act. Yeah, I think that the part I would have caution about is the same thing we were doing with say, saying with respect to PPP is, yeah. is there's no explicit prohibition, but if you're essentially you know, just rigging the books. So just, you know, I'm just going to now hire some relatives and take money that we would have otherwise. And now say I'm, you know, paying them and then I'm going to take a credit on it, like that kind of stuff. I, I, I would have a lot of pause about that kind of situation. But if they're already just normal employees regularly getting paid, then, then, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any restriction. Yeah. Great. I'll take the, I'll read the next question about the COBRA subsidy. For COBRA subsidy, will terminate an employer required, be required to have continuous coverage? So if an employee's health coverage ended August of 2020 and didn't elect COBRA, if we go back to them now, will they need to go back and pay from August 2020 to April 2021 to have continuation of coverage or is that way? The requirement is for you to subsidize, offer them coverage effective April 1st and subsidize it. Uh, the, the, the healthcare insurer that's, that's uh, writing your, or providing your coverage, either HMSA, Kaiser or the like, may have some concerns about there not being continuous coverage. The law doesn't direct, directly address that, but, but the only requirement on the employer is to offer continuation coverage starting April 1st for people that yeah. previously. There, there would be some retroactivity to it too because uh, the notices are required uh, of the eligibility for this COBRA coverage are, yeah. are required to be sent by the end of next month. Yeah. But the coverage started six days ago. So um, and those model notices haven't even been published yet by the Department of Labor. They're supposed to be published uh, no later than this Saturday. But, but frankly, the, the employee doesn't really even need to elect the coverage for 30 to 60 days after you send out the notice. So, so you may be taking these credits later than next month. Yeah. Next question. Uh, we are a nonprofit and do not pay federal taxes, only Social Security and Medicare. 
would we qualify for the employee retention credit and can we use it simultaneously with PPP2? Um, so yes, you do qualify for the ERC. You'd have to, um, it, it, as I mentioned, it's a um, payroll tax credit. So you can take it against your, um, your, uh, your both your, your employer and employee portions of the payroll taxes. Um, and uh, second question is, can you use it with simultaneously with PPP2? And I think Darren just covered that where um, you can use it simultaneously, but not for the same wages. Yep, I'll, I'll take the next one. Um, did I hear correctly that the employee retention tax credit for 2021 quarters are compared to 2019 quarters? Uh, that's correct. And um, uh, and in for 2021, it's a 20% decline in gross revenue um, for looking at each quarter. First quarter of 2021 versus first quarter of 2019 second quarter of 2021 versus second quarter of 2019 uh, and so forth. Uh, I'll, I'll take the next one. Can, can you use employee retention tax credit first in Q1 and then use PPP2 in Q2? Uh, theoretically, yes, but and then going back to that, that same example, if you're talking about PPP2, it's likely that you received it probably around March. So mo most people who applied when it was available got it around March. So you would, all the time period before you got the PPP2, you try to use an employee retention tax credit. And then in, and then you use PPP2 money to pay, pay payroll uh, that'll bleed into the second quarter. And then in the back half of the second quarter, hopefully you can use the employee retention tax credit again. Next one, I can take that. Um, what if I didn't know of the retention credit in 2020, but qualify? Can I still apply for that credit for the 2020 quarters? Um, yes, you can. So you would just need to go back and um, file the 941X or have your payroll provider file the 941X. That's the amended um, form 941 for your payroll taxes. Jeff, do you wanna take the, the next one on non-payroll costs for PPP? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, can you folks cover what you see as the expenses covered under PPP two under the covered operation expenditures? Uh, for example, it says payments for any business software cloud computing service that facilitates business operations, product or service delivery, the processing payment, or tracking of payroll expenses, human resources, sales and billing functions, or accounting or tracking of supplies, inventory, records and expenses. It seems to me that once you get done with your payroll, um, payroll expenses, you, you satisfy that part of the formula. This opens the door to just about any back of the house expense. But I mean, it's, it's, it, I, it, it's extraordinarily broad, but you'll just have to fit it in there and commit your, commit your bank that it's covered. But it, it's, yeah, it, it's really broad. I, I, I agree that it's broad language. And the other piece of it is, particularly if you're in the category with a loan under $150,000, where on your forgiveness application, you won't even have to write any of it down. I mean, you'd want, you'd want 
records and notations for yourself. And presumably if you have something that's super clear like rent, then just use that. Um, if it's not covered by some other overlapping grant. Um, but if, if the only thing left on a non-payroll cost basis to take is a covered operation expenditure, then I, I would agree with Jeff, the, the, this definition is, is quite broad. Yeah. So like we, like we mentioned earlier, I mean, I think if you want to take the uh, ERC, if you're eligible to take the ERC, you want to make sure that you really maximize the use of your 40% non-payroll costs. And that provision really gives you a lot of flexibility in, in what you can use to maximize the non the 40% of your non-payroll costs. Next question, can we still follow 941X for quarter four to account for eligible ERT credits in 2020? Is the ERT credit a refund check or does it have to be used in future payroll tax? Um, does the ERT credit on 941 require a 2200 filed or are they two separate options? Um, so yes, they are two separate options. You can still file a 941X um, for 2020. Um, and um, that it would, because you presumably paid your entire tax obligation for a prior quarter on the 941, uh, filing a 941X would result in you getting a refund. Nice. Um, I'll take the next one. So we qualify for the employee retention credit first quarter of 2021, but not second quarter of 2021. And the question is, can you use um, the first quarter qualification to qualify in the second quarter? The, the alternative way to qualify is actually the reverse of that. So uh, the answer, the answer would be would be no, um, but but in another scenario, which is, if I don't qualify in the first quarter of 2021 based on first quarter gross revenue decline, you can look at the fourth quarter of 2020 versus 2019 and see if you qualify, and then for the second quarter of 2021, if you if you don't qualify in gross revenue decline for second quarter 2021 versus same quarter 2019, you could actually use the first quarter of 2021 versus first quarter of 2019 for qualification in the second quarter. I guess we can take another, maybe we can take another question and start to wrap up. We're getting close to three o'clock. So the last question is, are self-employed with single employee who applied early for PPP2 able to apply for additional funding with updated funding calculations? So if you already applied and the SBA issued you a loan number, you cannot change your um, application. You can't go back at this time. So if you're still waiting, um, for the, for the SBA, you might be able to have your bank retract the application. So um, we are, so Tara and Jeff and I kind of authored another um, update memo that, that summarized a lot of what we talked about today. Uh, we'll have Buddy send it out uh, sometime this afternoon. Um, if any, do you guys wanna, uh, Darren, do you have anything else to say in closing? 
Um, I don't think so. Thank you for sticking with us for a full year. Um, and hopefully everyone is coming out of the back end of this uh, as, as, as well as you could be. Okay, well, thanks everyone. Uh, good luck with everything. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.